another day and news of another outrage in the national capital. Tonight, as a seven-year-old falls victim to rape resulting in violence in the outer Delhi area, we ask, rage over another rape in the capital, can India crush the enemy within? Also on the program, in fact, our first discussion as the Home Ministry responds to allegations that Arun Jaitley's phone call records had been illegally acquired. We debate what the BJP is asking. The phone snooping row. Is the government spying on the opposition? That's the question we are asking on India Decides this evening. And later on the program, he is known as the Chief Minister with the lowest bank balance, an exclusive interview with Manik Sarkar back for a fourth term as Tripura Chief Minister after winning a whopping 50 of 60 seats in his states yesterday. I am Vishnu Shom. Before we take a look at our headlines, a quick reminder that we invite you to use our second screen app. Uh, it's actually a great way for you to take a look at all the points that we are discussing some of the questions that we are asking, we count, we value your opinion and you can get an idea of who we have on the program in terms of our guests. So do uh, get on to our second screen app as well and uh, participate in this program. But first let's take a quick look at the headlines. Another hike in less than a month, petrol prices up by 1 rupee 40 paise per litre effective midnight, the BJP hits out, demands a rollback. Despite pleas from activists, the Standing Committee of Parliament refuses to acknowledge marital rape as a crime but endorses the death penalty in the rarest of rare rape cases. Sources tell NDTV the former Air Force Chief S.V. Tyagi and his cousins will be questioned by the CBI next week in connection with the Augusta-Westland chopper deal. The death sentence awarded to a top Islamist leader over crimes in 1971 angers his party 46 are dead in violent clashes in Bangladesh. NDTV brings you a special on the ground report. Thousands and thousands of people have been congregating for the last 25 days demanding, demanding death sentence for war criminals. Now on to our big focus this evening, phone tapping. The Home Minister, Sushil Kumar Shinde, today told Parliament that while there had been an effort to tap Arun Jaitley's call records, there was no effort to actually record his phone conversations. This explanation was not accepted at all by the BJP, which insists that the government is spying on the opposition. And now leaders from the left and the JDU as well say their phones have also been illegally tapped. I had promised to make a statement after ascertaining the facts. There was an attempt at unauthorizedly trying to access the call data record. This was not a case of telephone tapping. The call data records were not disclosed. I don't think any ordinary constable or ordinary individual will seek the details of call details of the uh, leader of the opposition. पहले ये सरकार खुद अपने मंत्रियों की जासूसी कराती दिखी, फिर अपने सहयोगियों की जासूसी कराती दिखी, और विपक्षी नेताओं की जासूसी कराती रही. My name is also in the list of the phones that are being tapped. हमारे आवाज का सैंपल उसमें डाल दीजिए मशीन को हमारे ब्रह्मपुत्रा अपार्टमेंट के सामने लगा दीजिए जैसे मेरी आवाज आएगी वो मशीन जो है खुद बखुद एक्टिवेट हो जाएगा राजीव गांधी विड्रू सपोर्ट फ्रॉम द चंद्रशेखर गवर्नमेंट व्हेन ही सस्पेक्टेड दैट ही वाज अंडर सर्वेलेंस सिंस देन द लॉज हैव बीन चेंज एंड स्ट्रिक्ट रूल्स इंट्रोड्यूस्ड टू रेगुलेट फोन टैपिंग नॉनदेलेस 
repeatedly governments have been accused of using intelligence agencies to gather political intelligence. In this case, however, there is an additional dimension. Could the infighting within the party be responsible for the current episode? Whatever be the truth, the fact that the Delhi police and the government do not have clear answers for critical questions like who was behind Anurag Singh or who was paying them have only increased the suspicion. The CDR of my phone has been compromised with Police says that Anurag Singh was not only finding out call details of those people he was being paid for, but also of those who had hired him. But police is extremely tight-lipped about the mastermind of this entire conspiracy, the people who had actually hired Anurag Singh and his accomplices to do this job. So the phone snooping row, the government, is it trying to spy on the opposition? That's what the BJP alleges that it's trying to do. Joining us, uh, and it's important because it's not just the BJP making a lot of these allegations, it's parties like uh, the CPM and the JDU as well. Joining us, Pavan Varma, uh, now with the JDU, advisor in culture uh, and information to Nitish Kumar, Soli Surabji, former Attorney General of India, Pinky Anand, member of the BJP's National Executive and, uh, and Senior Advocate, of the Supreme Court, A.V. Karnik, former Deputy Director of the IB, and Sanjay Jha of the Congress. Pinky, let me come to you first. Why are you not, why does the BJP not accept what the Home Minister has said in Parliament today? That there was no effort at actually recording the conversation, but there was an effort at illegally acquiring call data records. See, you know, I, I don't know how you can even say that the BJP should accept this kind of preposterous argument. It's a very novel argument. I am surprised that he's come to the situation of accepting that the call records were being accessed, but the phone was not being tapped and this kind of difference sought to be made. In this country, please understand, freedom of speech is there. Freedom of speech includes your own conversations. You cannot tap, you cannot access records. All this is clear infringement of our private rights. And the fact that the government has admitted to doing it, I think there should be something, some heads should roll straight away rather than to say that BJP should buy this argument and say... But Pinky, the government access, has not admitted doing it. Not they say I that there was a police constable who was illegally doing this. The government has not admitted doing it. But you argue that there was government involvement. Why? The point... See, the point is ultimately here, the question is of opposition uh, leaders who are being targeted. Imagine the leader of opposition of Rajya Sabha whose uh, telephone uh, records are being accessed one way or the other. You are having uh, people from the other parties also saying the same thing. Where is there any other inference? And uh, tacitly or otherwise, the government is admitting that there has been access to that same. Just by putting it off on the head of one constable may not work. A constable would be able to do such a thing on his own. That wouldn't happen. Okay, I'll get Sanjay Jha to respond to and that. Delhi police, a... incidentally, as we all know, comes, comes under the central government. Right. Uh, Pinky, I'll just get Sanjay Jha to respond to that in a moment. But before I get to him, I just want to run through that graphic one more time that we had on our screens on basically the structure, the order in which this all happened. Now, these are the allegations. Anurag Singh, well known as a hacker, someone the Delhi police has actually used in the past, now works as a detective as well. He paid 20,000 rupees to his aide, Nitish, and also 20,000 rupees to another private eye named Nair. And Nair paid 2,500 rupees to a constable named Arvind Dabas, who was arrested along with the others. And Dabas apparently used the, uh, the email ID of an ACP, an additional commissioner of police, to email telecom firms 
asking for the call records uh, of Arun Jaitley. So this is how the scam actually worked. The government doesn't deny that this has happened, but they say they are not involved. But Sanjay Jha, Pinky says quite clearly that no ordinary constable, if I'm to paraphrase what she's doing, can have done this. There has to be a larger involvement possibly of the government. Uh, uh, Vishnu, I think her, I heard her very, very clearly and I think her arguments are uh, nothing short of atrocious. Uh, number one, why would a government, when it has, when it has all the ammunition and power within itself uh, to tap phones if it really wants to you know, discover something very sinister going on or, or for private reasons or very ulterior political motives, why would it engage a constable to get call data records? And I think Pinky Anand is a lawyer and she should know that to access call data Sanjay, records, you Sanjay, don't really if, need if this is your center. argument, Therefore, then, you find then the how would the government do it according detector? to you? Would the government do it through can, can, can I finish? Can, can I finish? No, no. Let, let me ask you. There, there is, by the way, a law that permits people from Enforcement Directorate or DRI or Intelligence Bureau, etc., even the Narcotics Bureau, all of them are entitled to, you know, do the tapping. But remember, finally, this goes through the Home Home Secretary, Sanjay, and there are multiple departments the involved, including the law doesn't so allow these accuse the government. Just one minute, Pinky. Pinky, let me finish. The problem the that you have in the BJP, but you are making the problem that you have in the BJP at the moment is that. That you all, that you all are at the moment squabbling in such a way that you'll embarrass even the uh, reality TV performers in the big boss. Where are you going? And that is Sanjay? the reason why you are I, I, I think the why you blame the government. The Home Minister, the Home Minister has acknowledged that there has been a case of perhaps somebody accessing CDRs. But Vishnu, let me tell you, to access access CDRs, all you need is somebody a good contact in any of the any of the mobile all companies. Right, so, so, so pass off the blame to the Delhi police. That's what you're doing, Sanjay. The involvement of various people at a very low engagement level. Okay, uh, uh, just Sorry? one moment. Both of you, just one moment. I want to go across to Pavan Varma. Pavan Shivanand Tiwari of the JDU also stating quite clearly that there is evidence to suggest that even his phones had been tapped. Sitaram Yechuri of the CPM making that same point that look, he feels that his phones had been tapped. Uh, in speaking to your colleagues, why do you believe that this has happened to them? Or how do they believe this has happened? You know, to I'll them? tell you, <clears throat> you know, Vishnu, we really must rescue this debate from partisan politics. This is a very worrying trend because we cannot be a democracy in terms of labels and erode its very fabric in terms of substance. There are several issues which this raises. Whatever the reasons why it has happened. First, the effortless ease or the seemingly lack of issues in its succeeding. Here is someone who can use a constable to access the records of somebody no less than the leader of the opposition. That raises a second question. If it is with such ease that it can be done and a constable can be used and somebody has been working over a long period of time to do it, at whose behest and at for what purpose? Thirdly, there seems to be a pattern emerging in this Vishnu, which is that opposition leaders are being specially targeted and that's extremely dangerous for democracy. Fourthly, we have the question of what after all are the safeguards? Do we need to revisit the law, yep. the Telegraph Act? Because there are at least seven agencies which have powers to snoop of this kind. The IB, 
Now the RAW, the Enforcement direct, Directorate, the Revenue Intelligence. I mean, even the police chiefs in Union territories have the right. The Narcotics Bureau. What is going on? And the last point is that today technology has become such that even without and with all the safeguards, you can still do it because of head jammers that are easily available. We've seen this in someone. terms of the allegations raised and, by and, the former and make, army chief. And, yes. and make and and do and do this kind of uh, snooping, which which really undermines confidence in the way the democratic structure is operating. Okay, I just want to we briefly... We need to take serious cognizance of sure, it. Sure, I want to go, uh, go back to Pinky Anand before I come to uh, my other panelists. Because, Pinky, the allegation has also been uh, you know, put against the BJP. In Himachal Pradesh, there were allegations that the Dhumal government uh, was involved in tapping the phones of more than, a, more than 100 people. I, I, I believe the number was 1,000 people. And Veerbhadra Singh's government says that they have very clear evidence uh, of this. The Director General of Police has been changed as a result. So whoever has the power allegedly takes Wait, advantage it, it, of this. The first thing you do is tap the phones. So, uh, so this is an allegation. How does the BJP respond? Vishnu, two things. Two things. One, uh, two things are very clear from this entire situation. Uh, the targeting of accessing and of tapping the uh, phones of the opposition leaders, which has come out in the open, not today. It has been there for some time and the government is grappling with it. So one of the best defenses that the UPA government can have to offset its own attacks is to say that, you know, the BJP is doing it. So therefore, the next target to say make this statement. Secondly, if you've seen uh, Mr. Dhumal's statement, the, the, it's a CID which is supposed to have done this. And as you know, CID has, according to everybody else and according to the law, has the right and power to do so. Mr. Dhumal is saying, I'm ready for a complete probe on this issue. And there was permission for 34. That is the admitted position, even according to the Veer Bhadra government, that there was permission for 34. More have been done. This is simply an argument and an allegation. There's nothing more to substantiate that for the time being. But the fact that more were done when the BJP was in power, isn't that shocking by itself? No, no. I mean, there's, there's no fact. that this is, this is something which is being alleged. There is, this has not been in no, any then, manner but, but then Pinky, you are also making an allegation that the center was responsible the for the stabbing of Mr. Jaitley's phone. It's all allegations. No, no. Yeah, Vishnu, Vishnu, let's not compare. The fact is that it is established that Mr. Jaitley's phones were tapped. It is established that the opposite, opposition leaders' phones were tapped. That is not in dispute today. The question is how no, it was done, who did it. That may be still an issue speaking. somewhere down and the line. And if there is one, and, why don't you And it is it? being put on the head of a constable. Secondly, when Sanjay was talking also, he was saying that seven authorities are empowered to do this, this, uh, this snooping, uh, which is uh, there. But you require the permission of the Home Secretary and you require the permission of the Home Secretary of the State or the Centre to we, do We'll something. get to the safeguards, Pinky, in a moment because that's going to be the second part of this discussion. Congress, but, but I wanted to bring in Mr. Soli Sorabji. Just a second, Sanjay. Mr. Sorabji, you've been waiting patiently. Uh, you know, if I, I, I just did a just basic research. 2005, Amar Singh's phones allegedly tapped. 2011, Santosh Hegde, former Karnataka Lokayuk, his phone was allegedly tapped. 2011, Shanti Bhushan says that his conversations were tapped. Right? 2012, expelled BJD leader PM Mohapatra says his phone was tapped. 2012, Mamta says her phones were tapped during Nandigram. Then, of course, the Radia tape controversy between 2008-2009. It is open season for people to make these allegations and for a lot of this to actually take place because a lot of these conversations have been broadcast. You see, Vishnu, in the first place, let's keep it out of partisan politics. Question is, the Home Minister's admission is rather worrying that such a thing has happened as far as Mr. J.T. is concerned. Of course, he didn't say Congress did it or 
his government did it, but such an occurrence has taken place. That itself is worrying. Besides, tapping of telephones is not only freedom of speech, it really infringes a very valuable right of privacy. Telephone conversations are confidential in nature, they are private in nature, and of course right of privacy like any other fundamental right is not absolute. In a given case, compelling considerations of public safety, national security, uh, investigation into a serious crime, it can be overruled, but then there must be some authority which can pass that order, a high authority, passes an order on a written by a written order supported with reasons. Now these are the safeguards we must ensure. It's no use blaming one party or the other. Fact of the matter is, this is happening. Of course, some people may imagine the phones are being tapped because it's a little fashionable to think they're on the tapping this set apart. But we must really discuss today how to prevent it rather than try and pin, point the blame and pin the blame on any particular person or party. And there we require stringent safeguards if necessary by amendment of the Act. The order of interception of telephony conversations can only be issued by a certain authority, by minister concerned, or home secretary or principal secretary. He must pass a written order justifying the action because it must be not because he feels it should be done. It must be necessitated by consideration of national security, public safety. Then alone you can breach the right to privacy. And we should aim at evolving a mechanism which can ensure this. Okay, Mr. Karnik, former... I, I, Mr. Surabji, I'll just, I'll just go across to Mr. Karnik, former Deputy Director of the IB. Mr. Karnik, uh, you know, it's, it's, more, it's an open secret that agencies need to do this. You do this in national interest, sometimes the interest is perceived to be national interest, but in fact, by the law, law of the land, it's not national interest. But sir, being formally with the IB, wouldn't there have been instances when you would have, one way or the other, to protect people around the country, have <coughs> accessed call data records or acts or tap phones, you know, I mean, and if necessary, breaking the law, because you've got national security in mind. Uh, I won't go with the idea of breaking the law. In fact, there are fairly well-established uh, laws to cover both the events. I would like to distinguish between tapping of a telephone and obtaining CDR records. Tapping of the telephone requires the permission of the Home Secretary or Home Secretaries of various states. Whereas uh, obtaining CDRs is a job for an inspector of police attached with the special branch or the crime branch. So it's as low as that and one is very highly considered uh, private and cannot be obtained. Now CDRs is a different kettle of fish because CDRs are maintained by the cell phone companies for their accounting purposes. So they are already on record. Somebody has to snatch away that record to obtain the details. So this, this can be done at a very low level because the records are already maintained by the cell companies and somebody has to obtain it. Now according to our rules, an inspector of police can obtain CDRs for his own investigation and things like that. For every now and then it is required. It is genuinely required. Well, I'm afraid this law needs to be amended, you know. Yeah, you, you might think so. But, yeah. you know, the CDRs are very useful in crime investigation or anti-terrorist activities. No, so crime investigation still is allowed. one thing, but to draw a distinction, but to draw a distinction between CDR and phone tapping and to say one is fine on a routine level, I believe it's an invasion of privacy. No, Mr. Varma, I don't think he's saying it's fine. Mr. Varma, I don't think he's saying it's fine. I think he's just making the both point that bad. even an both inspector can get, no, get, no, get no, hold no. of it. It doesn't need to go to both the Home Secretary or the Cabinet Secretary ultimately. 
it's not it's not Both the same thing in, by the law it's not the same thing i'm talking about that how it is easy to obtain cdrs that i'm talking about and how difficult it is to tap a telephone there's a different uh, thing altogether and now the cdrs as CDR i said are available that okay. is why cdrs can be obtained even from a clerical staff of the cell company by anybody who pays him or is interested in okay mr kanik I, that's so an important point it. that 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 you make and i wanted pawan to actually respond to that he makes this distinction but you feel that it doesn't really matter even if the law allows an inspector to get this you believe that the larger issue is not being addressed you see vishnu this uh, cosmetic distinction about asking for a cdr which incidentally is also an invasion of privacy yes. and actually moving to the stage of tapping phones this is a very insidious distinction and we should have the same safeguards used far more judiciously where both these questions are concerned i ask you the question why would cdrs be asked for by an inspector for whom unless it's a very specific case of a crime investigation or national security the supreme court has ruled under it there's article 21 of the constitution which says the right of liberty includes the right to privacy and any infringement of that cannot be done casually at a lower level in a routine manner with such distinctions being made we need to very safeguards very very seriously okay look at sanjay safeguard. do you want to respond to this that you know making this distinction is a bit disingenuous because it is the larger issue of privacy which needs to be protected your privacy is taken away even if your call data records are snatched even if it's technically allowed for an inspector to get that so if the home minister goes to parliament and says no 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 we are drawing no. this distinction he is not addressing the larger issue the larger issue is of privacy that's right uh vishnu vishnu let me respond to yes. mr varma firstly i totally disagree that you know that that seven eight heads like dri or uh, you know or for example people from enforcement directorate sector should not be entitled uh, to to actually tap phones there is a reason why phone tapping has also been given a structure because with the kind of challenges we face in the country whether it's with you know terrorism or various other internal disturbances that is a sign of worry so it's a question of abuse of the system that we need to prevent so i think that mr sarab ji's point is absolutely valid but to answer this question there is a distinction between phone tapping and cdrs and i think mr karnik hit the nail on the head that's a point i was making earlier that you see today uh, vishnu what can you do if a corrupt person in a mobile company for example uh, or decides to you know sell some kind of information to a sub inspector hired by a political party's member for for their own you know but i, I think that is that exactly what mr varma and mr sorab ji have been asking tapping of a phone that the, the, the laws need to be the laws need tapping to be tapping of a phone is significant the laws need to be changed and it's very curious well, it's you, very you, you curious can, you can punish the company this, this constable this constable who can be bribed seems to be being bribed only to get cdrs for opposition leaders yeah that's right okay it's I, very curious mr karnik you had a point to make and then i'll get closing remarks from mr surab ji mr karnik go ahead yes, i i was just trying to explain how it is easy to get cdrs i'm not justifying getting with the cdrs illegally that's not Now my right, point. Both right. are equally bad because right. CDRs can become very embarrassing, very dangerous in the hands of uh, the enemies of the political leaders. So that's why CDRs. I'm not justifying that. We, at we all. take that point. It is yes. so easy to get it. That is the idea. All right, Mr. Surabji. Last comments no. from you, sir. Uh, focusing perhaps on the larger issue of how you know we have laws to protect 
but they don't seem to work. I yeah, think the Home Secretary is supposed to allow this. Then ultimately, it goes up to the CabSec. But we keep discussing this. As he said, Mr. Kanek, it's easy to get CDRs, but it's equally invasion of privacy. Don't make it easy. Change the laws and make it difficult. I see no difference in principle between getting access to CDRs and tapping telephone conversation. In each case, the right of privacy is involved. And when you say so easy to do it, well, don't make it easy. Make it damn difficult. Change the laws. Have proper procedures because it's a very difficult. Embarrassing situation, rather frightening situation, that one can be snooped, and then one can say, "Oh, I didn't do it; someone else did it." Prevent this. That is what we begin to our society. We be all the time not talking on the telephones, avoiding telephone conversations, seeing someone is uh, listening to what our inner thoughts are. You know, this is a very large issue. Please, all political parties should not here indulge in blame game, but come forward and suggest a proper stick. Viable mechanism to stop this. CDRs or telephone conversation interception, both are invasions of privacy, right. and they must stop in a democratic country. All right. Well, I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. I think that's a point that everybody would agree on. Uh, the Congress, uh, as as well, that privacy needs to be maintained one way or the other. Pinky remains with us for our next discussion. I'd like to thank our other panelists for joining us. On now to our other big focus today, another day and another report of a horrific crime against a woman. In this case, a seven-year-old child, a girl, in the national capital. The seven-year-old was raped at an MCD primary school in the outer Delhi area in Mongolpuri. The incident happened yesterday afternoon. The girl's family lodged a formal complaint today. The girl has been badly injured and is in hospital. As many as 300 to 400 people had gathered outside the hospital and were sloganeering against the police. The police had to resort to a lati charge to control the mob. Uh, the police have been rounding up all male members of the school and have detained a guard and a couple of male teachers for questioning as well. But there was a great deal of violence in Mongolpuri. Uh, we'll talk about the, the yet another rape in the national capital, a seven-year-old child being the victim this time. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But my colleague Sonal Mehrotra joins me now from Mongolpuri, an area which is extremely tense. Very briefly, Sonal, run us through what happened there today once news of this broke. Well, Vishnu, what you see behind me in the scenes here right now at this time are very different from what we saw in the morning. When I came here in the morning, there are around 500 people sloganeering very, very angrily against the police, shouting slogans, demanding justice. In all these protests, I saw a lot of women, a lot of mothers who were basically very angry about how kids are not safe even inside schools now. While they were doing all of this, you know, there were some lumpen elements who were even pelting stones at the police and to get them aside, which they had blocked both the entire road which goes through uh, the hospital where the girl is in currently and they were pelting stones, they destroyed public property, both buses, some PCR vans also to the extent that police had to resort to extensive lati charging and also, uh, you know, fire several rounds of uh, tear gas shells. Uh, my cameraperson Manu will now pan and show you, you know, what has remained of the protest that we saw in the morning. Broken pieces of glasses, uh, stones which were pelted in the morning, heavy police deployment even at this time to ensure that this area which uh, saw a lot of intense and a lot of tense activity right in the morning does not come back. But while the protests were happening, which, were, which remained to be quite a challenge for the police, inside the hospital also a team of police people trying to get together what exactly happened and who is the one responsible for taking, uh, for raping the innocent seven-year-old. Now the police uh, got three people. They, de uh, they had uh, 
got hold of three people from the MCD hospital and they got her in front of the girl to try and ask her to identify. She refused to identify. She uh, basically did not identify any of them and said they weren't the culprits. But also understandingly, Vishnu, she's a minor girl. She's just seven years old in class second and she is very traumatized. The, uh, the hospital authorities tell us that she's in a stable condition but and a lot of trauma for which the Delhi police is also now roped in a private NGO who are trying to talk to the girl and try to get more details of the case. As in that happens, they will be uh, going through and trying to get together. But what crucial evidence that we can give you at this point is that uh, authorities tell us that yesterday, while uh, the girl was in the around noon after, uh, after their meals, there was a, a kind of a function in the school and the police are also expecting that there might be some other elements, outside elements who came in the school and that might have caused it. So that front being investigated. But the biggest challenge for the police today remain to be handling crowds outside. And even now, you can see behind me, police here present in good amount, trying to ensure that this doesn't come back. But the one takeaway, Vishnu, which has come from today's protest, has really been the fact that police, that protesters and people of national capital, people of the country now, do not take, uh, do not sit in silence. Whenever yes. we see a protest like this of a gruesome incident, of a brutal attack, and be it on a, a woman, spontaneous or attacks, on a but attacks child, quite clearly getting out of hand as well. Attacking that, attacking that bus over there doesn't really achieve anything. But the point about the spontaneous anger, and we've seen it uh, in December in, in the national capital, that remains the same. So, Rage, uh, Sona, thanks so much for joining us and giving us that report uh, and, 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 you know, sharing details of that violence which we've seen in that area. But the bigger story, Rage, over another rape in the national capital, a seven-year-old child is the victim. Can India crush the enemy within? Joining me now, Dr. Kalpana Vishwanath, Senior Advisor with Jaguri. I'm also joined once again by Pinky Anand, member of the BJP's National Executive. Um, Dr. Vishwanath, if I can come to you first. You know, we, we, we can keep discussing this almost every day in the national capital. Um, and in, in, in as much as there has been the spread of awareness of the dangers of rape in the national capital region, these incidents keep coming up. Uh, fundamentally, has anything changed since December? You know, that's a difficult one. I think um, the only thing that has really probably changed is that people are, there is a little more awareness and anger and people are willing to uh, also report more, I'm hoping, you know, that uh, because if the fact that we're having more cases means that there's more reporting takes place, you know. But, you know, I do think that the younger and younger the victims are getting, it is extremely disturbing, even for someone like us who work with violence cases continuously. It is a very deep societal malaise we're talking about, you know. So it is not just laws or... Laws are important, but we also need to understand that somewhere, and this is not the first case that's happening in schools, I think we need to also begin to look at the amount of violence within schools. We've been talking and about violence in completely families. Completely unreported. Completely unreported, and they are men in positions of power often, you know, and uh, at, at seven, at five, what are you going to say? You know, the fear that that girl must have felt. You know, the parents finding out, it is positive that they're coming to the police and reporting it, you know, so that it's not an issue that it's the girl's shame. It is clearly an issue. It's a crime. And I think this is something one needs to constantly keep saying. Yeah. These are crimin criminal acts that need to be addressed. Uh, Pinky, actually, this uh, news of this comes on a day in which a standing committee in Parliament was debating some of the laws uh, which need to change. Uh, and, and one of the, and, you know, various aspects of this were coming up. You know, parties across the board accepted that in the rarest of rare cases, 
the death penalty should apply for rapists as well. So now my question to you is we have laws or we are in the process of amending our laws. That will happen very, very soon. The government has shown resolve. But what Dr. Vishwanath was referring to, this deeper societal malaise, and that's perhaps something that we have not referred to. We may have laws, but how does one change the culture of violence against women and children in a city like Delhi? No, no, you're right. I mean, there is this entire issue. And when we were dealing with this entire horrific incident of Nirbhaya also, the question was not restricted to law alone. Yes, law was targeted as one of the features because in that case the offence had happened. So the question was how to punish. Because please understand, law is ultimately made to punish a person who has committed an offence. So the offence has already happened. In that case, the rape had happened. What we are now talking about is because of the increasing incidence of rape, and we were hoping that the law would have a deterrent effect and hoping no, it is actually going to be demonstrated there is a deterrent effect but nonetheless you need to address society as to how to prevent such situations from happening so therefore there is an entire arena of difficulties you start from positions of power positions of strength fear psychosis let's say teachers in this case or somebody else who's in a position of power uh, young children who will not protest because they do not know what to protest about and they will be uh, dragged away and mutilated if, if uh, somebody doesn't have their way but the question is to change the mindset and the mindset can only be changed culturally by education by literally defining what is right and what is wrong yeah. uh, you really have to have a moral strength here to say this is wrong and you know no society can be totally good but what you need to pass down the message through the generations is it's, it's not bad to be a girl it is bad to be vi violating a girl it is bad to be assaulting a girl you do not become greater if you are a man vis-a-vis -a, -vis a woman just because you assert or show violence in either a physical form or a mental form right. this, this dichotomy between genders really has to go because all said and done it is a perversion and that is another area which needs to be addressed. You know, people who make small offences and they are not checked at that time or young children who do things wrong and their families or their peers or sure. their uh, so-called uh, neighbourhood people encourage them into doing so. Okay. And, and the second is ultimately through education culturally and through value system based. Okay, value system and education. I just wanted to bring in Dr. Kiran Bedi who joins us now uh, on this debate. Dr. Bedi, we've discussed this in the past and you have spoken very frequently about the need for more effective beat uh, policing. Uh, but is it always fair to blame the policeman for not being able to control or the police for being able to control a situation like this when there is this larger malaise? The police can, can be a force of deterrence, but to what extent can they be a force of education? Vishnu? Prevention has to become a priority, as Pinky very rightly said. And in that prevention, you need actually a 3PP model. You need the police, you need the people, which includes the principals, and you need the local politician. I think all the three need to work together. Whether they are in power or in opposition, the elected representative of that constituency should work with the principals, parents and the police. All the three need to work together to spread and raise awareness on crime, on prevention, protection of the girls and making the boys more responsible and making the principals more sensitive and more alert. I think that's the key. The moment the elections are going to come, you will have these MLAs and MPs doing all the rounds for votes. Why can't they do now in crime prevention? Aren't they responsible for the security of the constituencies? 
and why can't they work together? The police, the politician in power and the principals and the parents. Why can't they hold corner meetings to raise general awareness? Yeah. And as a representative from Jagori is right, what has increased is reporting now, which is a good thing. At least the problem is now being exposed and the media continues to highlight it. But we need prevention and the prevention will come through local politician. He must hold corner meetings and he should be equally responsible for the crime in his area. Why can't he be also be accountable for what is happening and what kind of crime prevention meetings has he had? So let's stop blaming the police. The beat system is essential, but only the beat system will be, need the politician and the principals and the parents to work together. I think that is what has been missing since ever since Justice Varma panel has come. I think the Justice Varma panel recommendations should have electrified the community, should have electrified the, the politician. That's not happened. It hasn't electrified them to, for them to come and work together. I think they need to work together. I just want to get Dr. Vishwanath to respond to that. Uh, it's true. You know, we, we've been debating ad nauseum the points of the Justice Varma report. We, whatever is happening in Parliament, but effectively on the ground, there is a mismatch between what our politicians are saying in Parliament and, and, and budgetary grants and what's happening on the ground and local politicians reaching out and saying, look, this is our agenda, yeah. the safety of women. So it's all talk, talk, talk here and monetary grants, but on the ground it doesn't translate into anything. Not at all. You know, and also monetary grants are, there's a lot of tokenism that's happening, clearly. Yes. And I think it's important to, I also want to say that, you know, in addition to, since uh, this Nirbhaya case, we've also been talking about mindsets. But I think one of the things we need to add to that is that, for example, if it's a school, if it's any other institution, we must immediately have systems and processes by which these behaviors are immediately punished, not accepted. You know, there's a lackadaisical attitude across institutions. You know, we're even if we don't, my changing mindsets is a long-term process. I think right now we have to say this is acceptable behavior, this is unacceptable behavior. Some of it is criminal. Some of it may not, you know, if it doesn't even get to the criminal justice system, but there are many behaviors that are taking place in institutions such as schools, such as workplaces, which are being tolerated. Hmm. You know, I think that is something we need to address in a very strong way. I just wanted to uh, close this, this, this discussion by asking you about, about children, because since you deal with with this, with this, with this issue, um, how is there a real danger to young children in our national capital? You know, I think it's not only in our national capital. Right. We are hearing of cases right. of younger and younger children being um, sexually molested, sexually assaulted, and not only girls. There are also cases of young boys being sexually assaulted. And there was recently a case which got uh, judgment in Bombay, mm -hmm. you know, after many years, mm -hmm. I think 10 or 12 years. You know, I think um, there is an increasing vulnerability, you know, and there seems to be a way in which, you know, I think a lot of child abuse has, has been taking place throughout history, yes. you know, and it's been within homes, yes. which we haven't heard of, which people don't talk about. So I do really think what is happening is there's been a, there's a breaking of the silence. There is a way in which we are no longer saying this is our fault, you know. So I, at the same time, I think there's an increased violin, increasing violence and a sort of a backlash. So people are talking about 
uh, an increased streak of violence which exists at so many levels, not just in Delhi but across the country. Yeah, and yeah. across uh, and things. And that, children yeah. are the most helpless victims in this entire Children are really yeah. vulnerable victims. It, I mean, it's something so incomprehensible yeah. to, to, to Well, there is children. a seven-year-old child who's really suffered in the national capital. Uh, but we will continue to raise this issue. At least we are talking about it. At least the law is changing. Some things have happened since December. Let's hope that there is something productive, something positive sooner than later. Thank you all very much for joining us. I want to quickly move on to my final segment in Tripura, one of the highest ever turnouts in the assembly elections a few days ago, translated into a huge victory for the left front with three-time Chief Minister Manik Sarkar now all set for a fourth term. In fact, the CPM, the left in fact, will be coming back to power in Tripura for a fifth time, a fifth consecutive time. Well, earlier on, I spoke to the Chief Minister-elect, Manik Sarkar. Uh, Mr. Sarkar, did you ever expect to win by the margin that you did? 50 of 60 seats. Uh, people talk about incumbency, but if that were the case, then they would, I mean, it would be four times the incumbency factor. This would be the fourth time that you're coming back as Chief Minister. Yes, actually, I would humbly say, uh, this is not b beyond our expectation. We expected uh, like this. You did expect this, all right. Fair enough. Your performance last time around was fantastic as well. Well, it's the fourth term for you, fifth for the left. What exactly does this say about the success of the left in the state? What is it that you've done that makes the, the left the last, uh, Tripura the, the last remaining bastion of the left perhaps in the country? You see, actually, this uh, verdict actually in favor of peace, uh, uh, MAT, uh, democracy, and the developmental activities which have been going on in Tripura, uh, uh, these are actually all in favor of all these things. Another very significant aspect would be the 93% voter turnout. So, a huge number of people turned out and everybody said that they want to vote for you. <laughs> no, no, yes, yes, we, in the last assembly election too, uh, it was 92%. It was 92%. So, this uh, turnout was not unexpected to us because we uh, have taken the democracy to the grassroots level of our state. And democracy, according to our understanding, is participatory democracy. So, our people are very much encouraged with this sort of approach and particularly what I would like to stress, the participation of our mothers and sisters, women folk. So, uh, they actually surpass the men folk. So, from this one can well imagine the, how uh, deep the democratic sense uh, actually uh, gone uh, to the people of Tripura. So, uh, this is not unexpected. Of course, nowhere in the country, or you have already mentioned, then other parts of the world, this sort of turnout uh, has not been seen uh, by the people. So, uh, all credit must go to the people. All credit must go to the people. Well, credit actually goes to you to a large extent as well. I know you don't like being asked this, but I'll ask you uh, nonetheless. Uh, you're known as, as the chief minister with the smallest bank balance. You've made austerity an absolute virtue. 
Uh, how is that actually added to your image? Do you believe that that image of being a chief minister who doesn't care about money, is that something that's helped you a great deal as well in these elections? This is, you say, actually my party, my party is helping me to lead this sort of simple life. So I, I am grateful to my party. Oh, you're being very humble, but every person wants to earn more money, you want to actually earn less money. <laughs> you see, actually the communists, we are devoted for the cause of the people. Na? So we should not work for ourselves. This is, uh, this is uh, uh, what our party has taught us. So I have been trying to uh, follow this. So whatever money uh, I am earning, that is enough for me. And I would humbly say that my wife, she was a central government officer. Of course, recently she has retired from our service. She has also been helping me in a big way. So uh, that's why whatever money I am getting as wages from my party, that is taking care of my problem and needs. All right. Well, you're clearly meeting your means uh, in terms of your own financial requirements, but you're also meeting the aspirations of, uh, of people in Tripura. Fourth time, Manik Sarkar going to be back as chief minister for five consecutive times terms. The left will be returning to power in Tripura. That is an extraordinary election performance. It's time now for us to take a short break up. After that, we'll be focusing... Well, on an area that, that borders uh, Tripura, Bangladesh, a lot of violence, ground reports. Thousands and thousands of people have been congregating for the last 25 days, demanding, demanding death sentence for war criminals. Bangladesh today deployed paramilitary forces to beef up security after nationwide riots that killed at least 46 people. The riots broke out after the, the pronouncement of the death sentence for a top Islamist opposition leader, 73-year-old Delwar Hussein Saidi. He was sentenced to death by the International Crimes Tribunal after he was found guilty of war crimes during Bangladesh's Freedom War back in 1971. Law enforcement agencies are on high alert. Authorities fear the protesters might launch attacks on mosques during uh, prayers and on other occasions. A great deal of anger there uh, on the streets of Dhaka. We have time, time now for us to take a short break. Up after that, trending this week with Sunitra Chaudhary. Stay tuned.